Hello and welcome to another episode of our uh, revolutionary podcast. This is Pastor Tito Sotolongo, your podcast pastor as well as pastor of tabernacleofgod.church. And my job is to help you find faith in Christ and follow through in your life. And one of the biggest things that we're doing right now is a series called, Is It Just Me? Because especially now with all this social distancing, it's very easy to find yourself caught in a pit of isolation, right? Just kind of distancing yourself, not just literally, but, you know, emotionally, mentally. And we don't end up, we're not going to be okay if we isolate ourselves from the God who loves us and from people who love us. And today we're going to talk about how one of the key ways that we can step out of isolation is through confession. So we're going to talk about that. Let's dive right in. Can I make a confession? Is it just me or have there been a few days in the past few weeks that you haven't been doing okay? The reason why I'm saying that is because I just need to be honest. This, uh, this whole experience that we've been all having with social distancing uh, has taken a toll you know, on me, on, on my family. You know, There's been a few days over the past few weeks um, that we just we weren't doing okay. And I'm sure if you can be honest, I'm sure you'd say the same thing. Right now, can I also let's let's be honest with each other. Isn't it hard to be honest? Right. Think about that. It, it's hard to say that right now. I know for some people it would be, you know, like, well, pastor, how, how, you know, really like you're having a bad day. I might be a pastor, but I'm a person. All right. Just like you. I have bad days. I don't get everything right. I don't have all of the answers. I just don't. Can I be honest? It's hard for us to be honest sometimes. And that could be for a lot of different reasons, right? It could be because we're either, you know, we're afraid of what someone might think or, or you know, we're, we want to be the strong one. Like, there's some of you right now that won't admit that you're not doing okay because you're the strong one in the family. If, if you're falling apart, the whole thing falls apart. That's a heavy load to carry. I know there's some parents right now that are not doing okay. You got drafted as a homeschooler now, as a homeschooling parent. It's not easy. Look, if me and Alicia homeschool and we're struggling because things are different for us, we can't even imagine what you're going through. You know, whether it's financial issues or marriage issues, maybe your kids aren't doing okay. And because your kids aren't doing okay, you're not doing okay. Listen, there has to be a place where we can be honest. Right. This is the part where I, I kind of started today about making a confession. Like there's just something that is just releasing about just sharing with someone. Now, when we think of confession, though, we kind of have a, not a warped uh, way of thinking about it, but I think a limited one. Because sometimes when we think of confession, we think of something that we did that was wrong, right? We have to confess when we do something wrong. But confession also includes when something isn't right. You know, you know Christians, right, for us as Christians, okay, let me talk to you for all the Christians here. If you're a Christian, confessing is part of being a Christian. It just is. It's part of it. You need to confess to be one. And then there's a confession, a continual confession that happens uh, while you are one. You know, and again, confessing does not have to be limited to when you have to say that you did something wrong. Sometimes confessing is being honest that something isn't right. It's saying, being willing to say, I am not okay. Now, I want you to know as we dive in today that, listen, it is okay if you are not okay. 
I want you to know that, and this is probably already very freeing for some of you to hear this. It's okay if you are not okay. But let me just warn you, it's not okay to stay that way. It's not okay to stay that way. So we're going to look at how King David, all right, this is David. If you've read the stories of David and Goliath, the same guy, he's now a king. And we're going to actually read about a time when David had to deal with disappointment and his own disappointment. And in fact, he was in such a place that he was in this deep pit of isolation, yet he was able to escape. And what led him out of that isolation was confession. And so we're going to look at David's experience and how we can apply that today. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read an entire psalm, all right? Psalms 32. We're going to all read it together, and we're just going to fly right through it, and then I'm going to share a couple of things about it. So I'm going to put it on your screen so that we can all see it together. How joyful is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. How joyful is the person whom the Lord does not charge with iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Now, when I kept, here's a key word, when I kept silent, my bones became brittle my, and from, from my groanings all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy on me. My strength was drained as in the summer's heat. Selah. Then I acknowledged, and then here's the key part, the turning point. Then I acknowledged my sin to you, and you did not conceal, and I did not conceal my iniquity. In fact, I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Again, Selah. Therefore, let everyone who is faithful pray to you, the key word, immediately, For when great floodwaters come, they will not reach you. You are my hiding place. You protect me from trouble. You surround me with joyful shouts of deliverance. So I will. Now, this part, I'm going to pause right here. This is actually not David speaking. This is actually now God talking to David and now talking to us. So let's see what God has to say. I will instruct you. Another translation, I will teach you. I will teach you and show you the way to go. With my eye on you, I will give counsel. So do not be like a horse or a mule without understanding. That must be controlled, again, controlled by the bit and bridle, or else it will not come near to you. Many pains come to the wicked, but the one who trusts in the Lord will have faithful love again surrounding him. Second time he says that. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous ones. Shout for joy, all you upright in heart. Now, what's amazing about this psalm is, again, how raw and real David is. You know, David is the king. All right. At this point, you know, when when he writes things like this, this isn't just his personal diary that somebody then found and put it in the Bible. All right. This became the national songbook. The book of Psalms, where we get this from, where David wrote most of them, is the national songbook of the country. So this is David, your their king, being raw and real, not only before God, but before everyone. I mean, that, that, think about that. You know, as a king, it's like, no, I, I can't let people know this about me because I'm their king. I'm supposed to be their leader. I'm supposed to be the strong one. I can't show weakness. Yet David actually showed more strength in confessing and being this vulnerable. That was pretty cool. 
And so we need to learn that lesson as well, all right? Because it's not just us. I know we think, oh, is it just me that's going through this? No, David went through it and so many others. So let's just see. How did he get out of that pit of isolation? How did he do that? And what happened? You know, first off, he starts off with an awesome declaration, right? Joyful is the one who, you know, God has been, you know, God has forgiven them and their sins have been forgiven. And why did he start with that? Well, he said, look, here's where I am. Here's what I've learned. And then he backtracks and he kind of gives the backstory of the journey on how he arrived to that conclusion. And so there's a couple of points that I want to look up and we're going to focus on here when it comes to David. And here's the three. We're going to look at how we all commit sin. Everybody commits sin. Not everybody confesses sin and everyone can overcome sin. Those if you confess your trust in Jesus. So let's look at this first one. Committing sin, all right? And now, this is a big deal about sin, and I want you to know this about sin. Because sometimes we think, okay, sin is just rules that God puts on us. It says, hey, don't do that, meaning don't have fun, right? And, and that's a big deal. And that's a lot of people have that misconception. But I need you to understand God's opinion of sin. He hates it, okay? God hates sin. Why? God hates sin because sin hurts people. And God loves people, all right? God loves people. That's why he hates sin. Now, anything that we think is sin for us, we might not think it's that big of a deal. Like, oh, God, really? Come on, chill out, bro. It's not that bad. But see, we don't realize it sometimes. The, you know, the pain and the effect might not be in the moment. I mean, it might be subtle. And it might, down the road, it could lead to something else, whether eternally or later on in life. But this is the big point of it, is that, good? listen, God hates sin and sin hurts people. God loves people. And here's the thing that breaks his heart. All people sin. We all do it. King David said, look, even the kings do it. All right. There is no one. There is no one that does not and has not sinned. But see, that sounds like bad news. But David had good news, right? He says, man, it is joyful for the one whose sins have been forgiven. How did David become so joyful? Because he realized how sinful he was. But it was more than that. You know, David realized, yo, I might be sinful, but I am joyful because my God is faithful. It doesn't matter what has happened. You know, the, the things that I hate, maybe the things that I had done. But man, because my God is faithful to forgive I, and me, a sinful person, he's removed that from me. And now I am joyful. And that's something that we can't do in our own strength. We can't take that burden of sin off of us. It's only God who can do it. But see, that's the point. It's hard for us to truly appreciate Jesus when we have a little or a misconception of sin. In fact, uh, this is great guy. Thomas Watson once said, until sin be bitter, Christ will not be sweet. Look, that sentence was so sweet. I got to say it again. Until sin is bitter, Christ will not be sweet. And that's what David is just kind of experiencing. It's like, man, the bitterness of his sin is what made the, for the love and the forgiveness of God so sweet, so sweet. But we said we have to understand that, that when it comes to sin, look, God hates it because it hurts people and God loves people and people sin, each and every one of us. In fact, the Apostle Paul, hundreds of years later, after Jesus' death and resurrection, actually talks about that in Romans 3, 23. He says, all have sinned. Everyone has committed a sin. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, meaning God's standard. See, sometimes you and I, what we do is we play this comparison game, right? We say, look, all right, I'll admit I'm not perfect, but 
let me talk to you about so-and-so. Look, look, I'm not perfect, but my boss, look, look, let me tell you about something. Look, I might not be perfect. I'm not, you know, but let me see. That's the game we play, right? You and I play this A-B comparison game. This A-B comparison game of, look, I might not be great, but at least I'm not like that guy. So I'm okay, right? Listen, no, it doesn't work like that. You and I are not the standard. We are not the standard. God is the standard. That's what Paul is saying. We have all fallen short of God's standard. It doesn't matter about how short you've fallen short. Look, let me ask you a question. Have you ever been late? I've been late plenty of times, right? I'm sure you've been late, right? Now, let me ask you a question. If you are an hour late, okay, or a minute late, still late, right? Yeah, you're still late. There was one time I've never missed a flight before. Uh, one time I almost did. I actually was trying to fly all the way from uh, connection flight to Dallas. I was going to school at Christ of the Nations. And I picked two connecting flights that were close together because I didn't want to be a huge layover. Didn't realize that both gates were on opposite ends of the airport. I mean, if you've ever seen those movies of people running in an airport, I did that. I mean, it was embarrassing. Uh, and I was just hauling with my bag and everything. And so the thing is, is that I made it just in time. But if I would have been an hour late, I would have missed my flight, right? Of course. If I was an hour late, I would have missed my flight. Let me ask you a question. If I was just a minute late, would I have still missed my flight? Yeah. If, I was, if I'm late, I'm late. I missed my flight, regardless of if it's a minute or an hour. That's the thing. That's the thing with God. It doesn't matter if you sinned a ton or sinned just a little. You're both late. We're both late. We've both committed sins. We've all fallen short. And if you would miss a flight being a minute late, you're going to miss God's standard, even if you just missed it by a little bit. Now, the problem is that you and I have all committed a sin. David would say, look, me too. Now, we all commit sin, but not everybody confesses sin. And this is what we're going to look at right now. This is what David was experiencing here, right? You saw the word, that key word, when I remained silent, something happened. In fact, here's the reason why we need to confess sin. Because if we keep our mouths shut, if we don't confess it, this is the consequence. Silence leads to distance and sickness. Silence can lead to distance and sickness. Look, we've all done it. I'm pretty sure that you did something wrong, right? Or just something wasn't right. Like you weren't, you know, overwhelmed. You weren't handling. Just something wasn't wrong. You weren't doing okay. What's one of the first things that we do? We tend to retreat into ourselves. We isolate ourselves, even from the people that love us most, right? We do that. This is, I mean, look, you've done it. I guarantee you, you've called out some of your friends, right? You know what? They weren't as chatty as they always are, or they weren't as, you know, happy as they always are. Something looks different. And so you call them up. It's like, hey, I just want to know, are you okay? They didn't have to tell you, right? You just automatically knew because when you remain silent it leads you to automatically distance yourself, even from the people that can love you and help you the most. But what's worse is that silence can lead to sickness. That's what David was saying. You saw the words that he used, right? That my bones became brittle. I was groaning all day. I was sapped of all strength. No motivation to do anything, right? He was in physical pain. Now, David's problem here, what the solution for David's problem was not a medical solution. It was a spiritual solution. You know, like his emotional trauma, the burden of that sin was so heavy that it actually came across in his physical body. It expressed itself in his physical body. Now, when I said that David's solution for his issue was not medical, it was spiritual, is not me telling you, as a pastor, hey, it's okay if you don't do medicine, right? No, it's a sign of faith. No, no, no. 
I take medicine. I take Tylenol when I get, you know, when I get a headache. Trust me, I do stuff. All right. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is that sometimes the things that we're trying to treat medically, the root issue is not always something physical. It, it could be something spiritual. And we're just masking. We're just kind of treating the, you know, trimming the, tr the, the branches instead of getting to the root of it. That's a reality. Now, what I'm also saying, though, is this. Or what I'm not saying is that every, if you feel bad or if things are going bad in your life, you must have done something bad. Nope. Because Jesus told us that doesn't work that way. Jesus himself said, look, if something, if something has happened to you or something is bad in your life, it doesn't automatically mean that you are a bad person. A lot of times people thought that. The Jews believed that. They felt like, you know what? If things are going great in your life, it's because you're, you're doing really good at life. And if things are not going great, it's because you screwed up at some point. You messed up. It's your fault. Jesus said, no, no, it doesn't always work like that. All right? There could be, that's a consequence of sin. But let's be honest. There are some negative consequences that do happen by doing certain things. And so that's what we're seeing here with David. And that's what we can experience as well. That's what we can experience as well. And so that's why David said when he realized and he confessed his sin, he acknowledged, he opened up. He said, I, I can't hold it any longer. God, here, forgive me of my sins. He was so excited to see that, wow, God actually forgave me. He forgave me. He was so overwhelmed. He says in verse 6, man, let everybody, may they pray to you immediately. Right? I told you that was a, that was a key word, immediately there. Why? Because being quick to confess is the only way that you can experience this cleanliness and, and this, this freedom from your sin because the, the opposite is true. You can't heal when you hide. This is, this is the reality. And especially, listen, you can't heal when you hide behind pride. You can't. You can't be healed if you hide behind pride. So David says, man, may we, may we be quick, quick to confess Quick to confess, because that is how we get to the root of the issue. May we be quick to confess. Pray to you immediately, because you are such a good God. And this consequence is not good, and it's not what God wants for us. Being quick to confess allows us to experience that healing. But the opposite, then, is true. Okay, We don't want to be slow to confess, or not at all, or silent is really the worst one. Look, I, I love Disney. Some of you guys that watch me enough know that. Uh, classic movie, Pinocchio. If y'all haven't seen it, let me put you on that, all right? Pinocchio is a good movie. But what happens with Pinocchio when he lies? All right? When Pinocchio lies, his nose, right, gets bigger. That's what happens. When he lies, his nose gets bigger. Well, here's the thing. When you and I hide behind our pride, our noses don't get bigger. The problem gets bigger. The problem gets bigger. That's what David was experiencing here. Now, some, they speculate, like, what exactly was he talking about? Some uh, connect Psalms 32 with Psalms 51 because David had done this horrific thing. When he was, he was already a king, and he goes and he finds this woman. He sleeps with this woman, impregnates this woman. Turns out that she was the wife of one of his most trusted best friends and soldiers and warriors. So David has this man murdered to try to cover up his own mistake. And scriptures show and even theologians say that David kept that secret for a whole year. It ate away at him for an entire year. 
And so he, David would say, man, no, I, I don't know what I was thinking. I don't know what I was doing. I, I was trying to ignore it, and all it did was get bigger. But instead, if we can be quick to confess and pray to you immediately, we won't have to be just destroyed by this overwhelming weight. And, and that's why David can be so joyful in the end. And he, he starts it and ends it talking about how blessed a believer is that does this, how joyful a person is. Because the only way that you and I can overcome sin is through the confession of sin. That's it. There's, you can't work harder to be better. You can't do that. You can't try to hopefully weigh and you know, live a certain life that your good deeds will outweigh your bad deeds. It doesn't work like that. It it'll never will. The only way we can overcome sin is by confessing sin. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you did something wrong. Sometimes we need to be able to confess when something isn't right, when, when we are not okay. And this is the thing, when we, we know that we can overcome sin because our God will guide and provide. That's what David talks about all the way from verse 7 and 6 through the rest of the psalm. He just talks about how he calls God a hiding place where we can run to. Now, God as a hiding place does not mean that you are hiding from your issues. No, you are confronting them. It's totally different. It is a stronghold. It is a fortress. And you go to God and he is there to give you the strength to confront these things, to overcome these things. And I even love the other analogy. He used floodwaters, right? When the floodwaters come, verse 7, they will not reach you. What does that mean? That, you know, when the floodwaters of guilt and, and our emotional floodwaters or regret and shame, they're still going to be there. You, you might get, you know, your toes wet, but you're not going to drown in those flood waters because God will hold you up. He is there to provide the means to overcome sin, but not only provide you the means of overcoming sin, but guide you in a better way of life. Guide you. And that was he, he says here, look, let me teach you. Let me instruct you. Right. We need God was telling in verse eight and nine when God speaks, he is telling the listener, listen, be teachable. Don't be stubborn. Some of y'all stubborn people like I can be, too. All right. This is the hard part because God's saying, look, don't be like a horse and a mule that needs to be controlled by, a, you know, that bit in its mouth. And why do people put a bit in the horse's mouth to make it go somewhere, right? To, hey, turn left, turn right, drink water, stand up, do whatever, right? Go, stop. That's what those are for, to control. And God is saying, look, I am not going, don't be that kind of person. Don't be the kind of person that I need to control for, because what, I'm not. God's not going to do that. He's not going to force you. He's like, you better come here and confess. You know, like God's not going to force you to do something against your own will. As much as it breaks his heart to allow you to live by your own will, he's not going to force you. So he says, look, don't be stubborn. Let me teach you. Be teachable. And yo, that word right there is huge. You know what that word teach means? That word teach means to aim. It means to instruct. Like the Hebrew word to teach uh, that he says there, let me instruct you. It is yada, which is the same word that we get the Hebrew word for Torah, which is the, the law of God. And that, that law gave you know, Moses and which is for instruction. And the law that God gave Moses to give to the nation of Israel was twofold. Number one, it was to point out how to live. And also it was to point out no one's perfect. It was, it was crazy because part of the law came a sacrificial system. Like, listen, I know you all are going to commit a sin, and here's my perfect law to live perfectly, but no one's going to be able to keep it, so I have to add this section for sacrifices. And when a sacrifice is made, it will cover your sins temporarily. 
See, the law of God points us the way to live, but it also points out that no one's perfect. But you know what the law of God also did through that sacrificial system? It pointed out and it pointed us to how Jesus was going to be perfect for us so that we can overcome sin and death. And that's what Jesus did. So, but here when Jesus says, when God is saying, let me instruct you, he is using the word aim. Again, think of a bow and arrow, right? Previously, I said, Romans 3.23, all have fallen short of the glory of God. Everyone has missed the standard, meaning we've all missed the mark. You and I, you know, if, if we're trying to shoot a target, we miss. And I'm not talking about missing the bullseye. I'm talking about just missing the whole thing altogether. That's who we are. We, that's, we miss it. You know, there's a, a hilarious story of analogy of someone who was practicing and they, they saw someone shooting arrows outside their barn. And they, man, there was arrows all over the side of the barn and each one was a bullseye. And they were like, wow, this guy's really good. And he goes over to the person. He's there. He's warming up, practicing. And the guy asks him, I said, hey, how did you get this good at shooting bows and arrows? And the guy says, oh, it's easy. You know, I just take my, I take my bow, I take my arrow, I shoot. And wherever it hits, I paint the target around it. Right? That's us. That's you and me every single day. We just try our best, and then we try to mask it to make it look like we're better than what we really are. Right? That's us. But Jesus, God is saying right here, no, let me instruct you. Meaning, if you just surrender to me, if you trust in me, I will aim you. I will aim you into the proper direction, and I will release you and empower you so you can hit the mark, so that you can be what you can't be alone, so that you can be all that you can be in Christ Jesus. That's what God is saying. Let me aim you. And listen, when an arrow flies, when an arrow flies, it doesn't have wings that it flaps, right? It doesn't have like, you know, fuel, like it shoots off like, like a project, like a projector, like a rocket does, right? An arrow just goes by the force of the bow master. That's it. And the bow itself, that's us. When we fly, see, God is not asking us. The reason why he says, look, let me teach you. He's not saying, let me show you, let me show you how to follow rules. That's not what he's trying to tell us here. Let me show you how to follow rules perfectly. No. Let me show you how to be sinless. Yes and no, because that's not being joyful. See, what he's saying is when, I sh when God says, look, let me show you, let me aim your life. It's not how to follow rules. It's how to fly right. It's not about saying, okay, be sinless. No, it's about being joyful, knowing that your heavenly father has forgiven and covered your sins. The words that David used about forgiving and covering means it's lifted off. See, you and I, when we cover up sins, when we cover things up, it's still there. We just pretend that it's not, but it's still there. But when God covers it up, he cleans it up. And it's like it was never there to begin with. And that's what God is inviting us to. It says, man, let me aim your life. Let me aim your life. Let me show you how to fly right. And you are going to enjoy the ride. That's what David discovered. That's what David discovered. And that's what you and I can discover to. In fact, here's really the bottom line. If, we, if David was here, I'm pretty sure he would agree with me, all right? Because this is what I feel like, you know, this is what his, his word is saying and, and the Psalms is talking about and what God would says. Denial leads to destruction, yet confession leads to restoration. David would agree. He was like, yep, denial leads to destruction. The more you ignore the issue, the more you deny the reality, then it's just going to eat away at you. That silence can lead, secrets can lead to sickness. 
but confession always leads to restoration. And the confession, um, there's two types of confession, guys, that we need. And again, I'm not just talking about when you do something wrong. I'm talking about when you are not doing okay, when something isn't right. And we need to be confessing to a compassionate Christ. The main person we should be confessing to is God. In fact, the Apostle John in 1 John 1, 9 says that. He says, confess your sins to God for he is faithful and just to forgive you of all your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. He's saying, listen, God loves you so much. He is so compassionate towards you that you, when you confess the sins you know about, he's going to literally deal with all of the unrighteousness in you that you don't even know about. That is how good God is. Is. And again, David would say, yep, pray to him immediately. Don't hold that back. Go to God immediately when you are not okay or when you did something that wasn't okay because he will make it right. Confessing to a compassionate Christ is something you and I need to do all the time. But let me give you one more. We need to be confessing to a compassionate community. See, this is what the church is supposed to be. The church is supposed to be this right here, a reflection of Christ, loving others, forgiving others, a compassionate community. Now, you know, this is what, uh, well, Peter, this, I actually wrote the wrong one here. This is not 1 Peter 5.16. It was actually James, five, uh, James 5.16. James, Pastor James was the pastor of the church in Jerusalem after the resurrection. Actually, Jesus' little brother. Cool for us, a great story for another day. But not 1 Peter, James 5.16. He actually says, confess your sins to one another and you will be healed. That's awesome. Confess your sins to one another. We'll say, well, pastor, isn't confessing to God good enough? Like, why do I have to be able to say it to somebody? Well, here's why. Because it's easy to be able to confess your sins to God. It's harder to be able to confess it to someone else, right? Be honest. Is it easier to confess your sins to God or is it easier to confess to your boy, to your best friend, to your BFF? Yeah, I did something that I shouldn't have done or I'm not, I'm not doing okay. It's harder. But we experience a level of healing. Now, I'm not saying you got to, you know, spill the beans, spill the tea, do all that to everyone. But you should have someone that you can confess to that, that loves you enough. That's not going to judge you, but that's going to be there for you. See, what the, the Spirit of God, he leads us to confess. The Holy Spirit in us, when something isn't right, when something isn't right, whether we do something wrong or something isn't right in us, the Holy Spirit leads us to confession. It's almost like those rumble strips. Have you ever seen or ran over a rumble strip on the road? I know you've done it because I've done it. Whether you've dozed off, I hate to admit that's happened once, uh, or been distracted, right? You've gone off too far to one side that you begin to hit those bumps on the side of the road, right? Right. And they and, you know, it shakes the whole car. Everyone kind of freaks out. You know, that's a scary moment for, right, for when you start you know, hitting that and you weren't expecting it. Well, what are those rumble strips for? It's meant to keep you alive, to keep you hate, refocus. You're going the wrong way. Right. That's what that's for. Well, the Holy Spirit is that for us, that when when something isn't right or we do something wrong, the Holy Spirit is there to shake us to say, hey, don't you know, don't go that way. Refocus. Get back. Get back online. Come this way to confess, meaning to get back on the road. Right. That's what the Holy Spirit is for. But that's what we should be for each other. When we see someone kind of veering off, distancing themselves, people that we love, we should be willing to confront them in love, confront them compassionately in love and say, hey, are you doing OK? No, well, hey, come back this way. And we love them through kindness and acceptance. We bring them back. That's what we need. Listen, we experience healing when we are honest. We do. We experience healing when we are honest. 
when we're able to confess, that's where the restoration comes from. And we don't have to fear being honest, especially towards God. In fact, Tim Keller has this great quote that I'm going to end with this. Tim Keller has a great quote when he talks about, you know, he says about marriage, but we can apply this to right now. He was talking about this. is like, listen, if you are loved but not known, I mean, that's nice, but it's kind of superficial, right? Think about it. What if everyone loved you, but they really didn't know who you were? That's superficial. That's like us, you know, loving a celebrity because we just know just a little bit about them and on everything. That's superficial love. It's, it's, it's not enough. But then the opposite is scary, right? Could you imagine being completely and fully known yet not loved? That's probably everyone's worst fear, right? Think about that. that. I mean, that's why some of us are hesitant to let other people know who we are. Because if I let you in too much, what if you aren't going to be into me? What if you don't love me? What if you're going to reject me when you realize who I am? See, being loved but not known is not enough. And definitely being known and not loved, oh, that ain't an option. But what if there was a place where we can be fully known and truly loved? And there is. See, that's how God loves us. Exactly how God loves us. No one knows you better than God. And no one loves you more than God. That's it. And when you can be honest with him, when you can be honest with him, you begin to experience a level of healing. And you can say like David said, wow, joyful is the one who goes to God. Joyful is the one who puts their trust in God. Because, man, this is better than I imagined. And so I want to tell you, listen, it's not okay. If it, I'm sorry, I want to say it is okay if you're not okay. It is okay if you're not okay. But let me warn you, it's not okay to stay that way. But the good news is this, that Jesus made a way for you to be more than just okay. David experienced that. All of the apostles and all of the early churches experienced that. And Christians for generations have experienced that. And you and I can experience that too. See, Jesus made a way, not just for us to be okay, but for us to be more than okay. As honesty leads to healing and confession will always lead you out of isolation. But it's so good to know that we have such a good God who is there for us, who's always listening. We can call out and he does not want us to be lost like that. He does not want us to distance ourselves from him. Rather, he wants us to draw even closer. So I really pray that this is good for you, especially if you are doing okay right now. You can be an encouragement to others who are not. But if you are not, again, just one more time, I want you to hear it. It's okay if you're not okay, but it is not okay to stay that way. You have a God who loves you, and he has done so much so that you don't have to stay that way. You can be more than okay. So we're going to continue the series next week. So I want to invite you back. And in the meantime, remember, be a revolutionary. Revolve your life around Christ and you're going to see things come into alignment in such a way you're going to receive peace and purpose as you shine your light in the darkness. See you next week.